Talking Finance with Brian Hirsch, making sense of your finance. Well, today we're talking finance with Brian Hirsch. Brian, a very good morning to you. It's your last show of the uh, the year. Effectively, you're getting ready to wind, wind down and, and close up shop at least until next year. Are you looking forward to your break? Jesse, it's been such a difficult year. It's been one of the hardest years I've ever experienced. I mean, I've been busy. But, you know, sitting in your office, not seeing anyone, working on Zoom and Microsoft Teams from 7.30 till 6 o'clock at night. You know, the motivation levels are low. You know, mm. one's got to try and get one's battery charged again. Uh, you know, when you've work, got staff working remotely, you've got to try and charge their batteries. Everyone's draining of your battery. Yeah, I am looking forward to get away. Uh, not actually away. I will be working for the next 10 days in Cape Town. Mm. But uh, I must tell you that it's just... Uh, I'm looking forward to it. I think I think most people need a break. It has been one of those years, you know. We don't realise our bodies. You know, our bodies are not machines. The mm. stretch that this has played on everyone, the, the what's been happening, the news we get, it's horrific, you know. And it's it's everywhere. It's not just COVID. It's gender violence. It's what's going on in South Africa. Mm. What's going on globally? I mean, this, you know, there's a lot of stress around and. Uh, Hopefully, I'll be able to relax a little bit for a few weeks. Look, Brian, we're all crawling to the end, I'll tell you that much. Okay, so today, of course, uh, given the fact that it is the last Tuesday of the year, of the month, actually, um, we're going to deal with some of the questions that have been sent in by our listeners over the last month or so. And let's perhaps uh, begin with this one, where somebody asked you a question and was talking about the financial brokers and uh, saying that they're nervous to ask financial brokers to explain a product to them because they don't want to sound stupid. Well, you know, I think of all the lectures I give. I give a lecture at the end of the lecture. You ask you ask the audience if they've got any questions. And hands don't just go up. Gradually, one hand goes up. And that person's a bit nervous about asking a question because they think the question is stupid, the question is relevant, irrelevant. And when they put up their hand and ask the question, you can see the rest of the people in the room all of a sudden relax because it's a question they wanted to ask, but they just didn't have the guts. I always say you can never ask a stupid question. You can only get a stupid answer. The problem with financial services, the problem buying a product, the problem investing, the problem buying life insurance is if you don't understand what you're buying, don't buy it. Keep asking what it is, understand it, because so many people end up giving up their investments, giving up policies, because they didn't really understand what they were buying and why they were buying it. I mean, the lack of knowledge extends right across gender, race, and wealth. And in many instances, Kathy, even those who've created wealth in complete different industries lack the appropriate knowledge when it comes to investing outside their area of competence. And so I just say, if you don't understand something, go back to the drawing board. If the person who's explaining it to you isn't it explaining it correctly to you, or you don't understand, go and ask someone else. But do not be nervous to keep asking questions. Because once you understand it, once you are empowered, once you have the knowledge, then you'll understand why you bought it and you won't be, you won't be cancelling it or being talked into stopping it because you'll understand what you're doing and where this fits into your jigsaw puzzle. 
Now, of course, sometimes people are also uncertain around how to plan uh, for their lives or for their futures financially. And the idea of a financial plan, you know, is often a shaky one. People don't know how to approach it. Well, you know, a financial plan can be as, as can be as small as big as what you've got, but it consists of more just savings and investments. It's about protection for the family in the event of death and in the event of the, the breadwinner's disability, and it's creating and maintaining, and I use the word relative wealth, into and after retirement. It's all about what you've got, your situation. Everyone's situation is different, but a financial plan encompasses what you've got, and, you know, you can have bits and pieces is all over the place and I, I keep referring this to a jigsaw puzzle but if you've got a jigsaw puzzle that's congruent in other words the puzzle fits into place that's what a financial plan taking all the pieces and putting it in putting it into one file with the life file that if something happens to your family needs to know where are all the documents where registration uh, bond papers um, anything you may have, life policies, investments, so that that financial plan can be changed. If you've got a plan, then it's easy to change it because you, it doesn't sit as a one plan forever. There are changes because life is changing all the time. But at least you go back to the drawing board. You know, it's like a home. You build a home. You've got a solid foundation. If you want to add to your home, you don't have to redo it. You, don't, you, you can add to the home from the plans you've got. That's what a financial plan is. It's understanding what you've got and the plan, whatever little it is, a bit of life insurance, a bit of disability, some money for, for retirement, some unit trust, some satrix, putting it all together and seeing how does that plan fit for you and your family. Now, all of this, of course, uh, people will put in the category of trying to be more financially organized. I mean, is there a specific way that your finances need to look in order for you to be considered as being I suppose in order for you to feel like everything you have is almost aligned, for lack of a better phrase. Well, I talk about, you know, I, I talk about three categories of individuals. There's those who don't know. And, you know, well, let me talk about financial planners coming three formats. You've got a financial planner who gives you advice. You take the advice or you don't take the advice. You've got financial nannies. People who come to financial advisors and say, I don't know what to do, please explain. And even though you're a nanny, the nanny still got to make sure you understand what you're doing. And then, and then lastly, you, you've got um, those people who, are, who, um, who, are, who very much are what I call need a financial psychologist. And the reason you need a financial psychologist is because it's so easy for investors to make mistakes, sell at the wrong time. If I think about what happened earlier in the year, from February to March, people were starting to panic when COVID came in. We all were in lockdown. The markets collapsed, and many people panicked. Because remember, for every buyer or seller, there's a corresponding individual. So if someone who's selling, there was someone buying. So those people who bought in March, April have done exceptionally well. Those people who sat with their investments have recovered. And in South Africa, we're nearly back to where we were. Globally, we're far ahead of where you were after the crash of March. But that financial psychologist is there to help you through those difficult times and to remind you of why you did certain things in your financial plan. There are those who don't know, Kathy. There are those who think they know, and there are those who are financially astute. 
I call it I call financially disorganized and financially disorganized. However, whatever category you fall under, creating a financial plan and documentary documenting everything is the only way to go. You, you need to be up to date with all your details of your savings, your retirement plans, your insurances, your tax and your estate planning. Brian, one of the things that uh, people often ask, especially when it comes to investing, is the kind of investor that one is. And, uh, you know, are you a conservative investor? Are you an aggressive investor? And what is the biggest difference? Well, let's understand the biggest difference about investing is are you looking for growth or are you looking for income? If you want income, you want certainty and security because you need to know I need income. If you're looking for growth, you need one other factor to go with it, and that's time. You cannot grow your, your assets if you don't give yourself time. And when I talk about time, I talk about 5, 7, 10. And when I talk about younger people saving to retirement, we're talking 20, 30, 40 years. But when you're investing, you know, people sometimes think they're conservative and they're not conservative. And some think they're aggressive and they're too aggressive. So let me explain. The ABC of investing is A stands for aggressive, B stands for balance, and C stands for conservative. But within an aggressive portfolio, you can still be an ABC. You can be aggressive, aggressive. You can be balanced or conservative. So I'll give you an example. If you've got all your money in technology stocks, you're an aggressive investor, and I think you're being over-aggressive because you don't want – I mean, technology is here to stay. I mean, the whole world – I mean, think about it. You and I haven't met yet. We have been doing these programs now for nine months, and we haven't met. Who would have believed last year that this could be possible? I'm doing business online with people I've never met, just seen them on Zoom. They trust me. They do business. Who would have ever believed that? So technology is here to stay. But when you're looking at the market, you can be, you can be aggressive or you can be conservative. You can go into companies that are solid companies, well-branded, paying good dividends, don't have a lot of debt, which means that you, you may not get the same growth out of the technology stock, but you will get some growth over a long period of time because you're in equities, and you could be more conservative than aggressive. I think when you're putting a portfolio together, equities, you're going to have a balance between being a bit aggressive and more conservative. And when you let's talk about a conservative portfolio, someone goes to their bank today to buy, to put money into fixed deposit at four percent. Now, is that conservative or aggressive? I think that's aggressive. What I mean is to go and put money away for five years now at a low rate of interest, when we know interest rates in the next one to two years will go up again. You know, inflation rates will pick up and globally things will start to improve. So if you fix money now at, 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 these, at low rates for five years, is that being conservative? I don't think it's being conservative. I call that being aggressive because you're committing for a five-year period at a very low rate of interest. Someone told me yesterday they've invested money for five years at 6.1%. I don't think that's a good rate at all. I think it may be a good rate today and maybe for the next 12 to 15 months, but not maybe over the next five years. So I would be a little bit more conservative and rather get a little bit less for the next year and then reevaluate in a year. So whatever category you're in, ABC, you can be conservative or aggressive in that category. So you need to understand time's got to be on your side. You've got to hold. You've got to, you've got to wade through what the noise, and there's always noise coming from somewhere. This last few months, the news has been sure. good. 
April, uh, October and Brian, November rather. Brian, Sorry. we're going to have to continue in a bit. I'm just going to take a quick break, okay? Hashtag SFM Talking Point. We're talking finance with Brian Hirsch. Brian, uh, sorry I had to cut you off a bit there before you were done with your sentence. Uh, just to take that quick break, do you, do you want to complete that thought or can I go straight to the lines? No, I was just saying that, you know, understand your investments, you need conservative, aggressive, and for long term, you need to be more growth oriented. People saving in retirement annuities in now in their 30s, 40s, and 50s need to be much more growth orientated. People in their 60s can't say, I'm going to be absolutely conservative, because you can live for 20 to 30 more years. Mm. All right. Let me go to KZN, Rihanna. Good morning, Rihanna. Rihanna, good morning. Okay, it, it looks like we've lost Rihanna there. Uh, Derek and Fairlands, good morning. Hey, good morning. How are you? I'm well, thank you, Derek. Go ahead, sir. Yeah. Uh, Brian, my wife has a, a, a liberty policy. It's called a lifestyle protector. Now, within the policy, there's a life cover, there's uh, impairment, and there's severe illness. Right. Now, now there's a top-up option as well, and an extended top-up option. Now, I want to know, what does the... Uh, top-up option and the extended option give me because uh, in 2021 in August the impairment uh, will expire. Does the extension mean that I can now extend that or, or not? You stumped me. Look, I know the contract, but I don't know anything about the top-up offers. You need to talk to a Liberty agent. Have you not got a Liberty agent? Uh, basically, I, I have a broker, but uh, from what I gathered, uh, it had to do with dreaded disease. And I'm, I'm basically confused, Brian. Because, how, how, um, how old are you? I'm 66. Okay, that's my wife's policy, T64. You know, it sounds as if that, that the one benefit comes to an end at 65. And I don't know. You know, every company has so many different nuances and different aspects to their policies. Uh, you, you know, the best advice I can get you is get hold of Liberty Life, get hold of a broker or get hold of an agent and ask them to explain it to you. As I said in the earlier part of the program, you need to understand what they're offering you exactly. And it isn't complicated. They're either offering you more life cover, they're offering you more disability, they're offering you more dreaded disease. But you did make the point that the dreaded disease stops at 60 that dreaded disease. People need to realize you can buy a dreaded disease for life or you can buy it to an age. 
if you buy it for life, obviously it was more expensive. So at the time you took out the policy, I, won't, I can't comment on whether the premium was an important aspect of you buying. But you need to speak to Liberty agents, and your broker should be able to help you. Uh, if, if they can't help you, they will get the information because I can't, you know, I, it's no point in me just getting information without fully understanding your circumstances. So Derek, get hold of your broker and anyone else who's got any of these extra benefits that are offered. Don't just accept them. Understand what you're buying. That's what I said right at the beginning of the program. If you understand what you're buying, you'll know the need and the reason for it. And if you don't understand what you're buying, eventually when it becomes and you look at it and it's a cost and it's a grudge purchase, you won't continue it. That's the best advice I can give you, Derek. All right. Thanks for that. Derek, thanks for calling in. Yeah. Let me go to Rehana and KZN. Rehana, good morning. Hi, good morning. Um, I've got a question for Brian, please. I wonder if you can help. Um, regarding retrenchment and retrenched now for the past six months, I've got two things, RA as well as a um, life policy. I'm 50 years old. Can you please tell me your advice for what to do because I can't afford the premiums? I'll listen on the radio, please. Ms. Rana, just to stop there, did you say you have a life policy and a retirement policy? And RA, yes, correct. And retirement duty. Okay, well, let me make comments. Life cover is very different to retirement. Life covers there is to protect loved ones, protect families. And therefore, if it's a choice and you have, could, can afford one of the two and you need the life cover, you've got to go with the life cover. Retirement annuity, you can make paid up. You can actually stop the retirement annuity, which means no further contributions. You've also got to check with them, are, are there going to be any penalties? But you can always, again, start another retirement annuity when you're in a better financial position. When it comes to life cover, if you stop the life policy and something happens, then obviously if you've got children, then it has a major impact ultimately on their livelihood in the event of premature death. But some companies have also given moratoriums and they've allowed you to go into arrears. In other words, if you've fallen into arrears a month or two, they've allowed you to stay in that arrears and on the condition that you, at some stage in the future you will make some allowance to make up for that premium. But every company has different rules. So I would say, if I can't afford both, can I afford the life policy? If I can't afford either, then make the retirement annuity paid up. In other words, you, you can't draw it. You make it in the paid up form. You can only draw retirement annuities after 55. And then you need to consider what other, what else is available if I'm a healthy person to buy life insurance. Maybe you've got to buy an accident policy, which is a lot cheaper, which will cover you in the event of accidental death, but not, not the normal uh, sickness death from sickness. So you've got to have a look at your requirements. You may also have to have a look at the policy. Does it have other benefits on that maybe you could for the moment just leave? Uh, but always bearing in mind that life insurance and any other benefits doesn't help you. Okay, thank you very much for that. Thank you. All right. Thank you so much for that call, Rihanna, out in KZN. Brian, it's 10.30. I need to go to the news headlines. Um, I think, maybe we can take one call after this. Are you good for that? Yeah. Awesome. Uh, so, Utsile Sako has your 10.30 news headlines. I'm back with Brian, one more caller, and then we'll wrap it up in terms of our finance segment for today. Hashtag SFM Talking Point. 
It's just after 10.30, you're live on the Talking Point. We're continuing with our finance segment. Uh, Brian Hirsch is on the line. Brian, it's your favorite caller. Uh, Colin, who is... Colin, I, I think you literally... This is your favorite segment. Good morning. Good morning, Kathy. Good morning, Brian. Brian. <laughs> Morning, Colin. It's this time of the year again. I received the email and forms from Sunlam. Before the 20th of December, I got to let them know whether to up or down my pension, my monthly pension. Now, I was thinking to myself, no, I'm not going to do that alone. My broker gets a percentage of my investment. Do you think I've got all the right to get hold of him and sit down with him and give me advice, please, Brian? Colin, absolutely. You're paying a broker. Your broker should have been contacting you anyway to say, Colin, you've got this option falling due. Let me just explain to listeners. When you retire and you buy a living annuity, once a year, the company gives you an option to either increase the percentage you're drawing or reduce that percentage. Colin's now asking, should he up or down the increase? And I'm saying his broker gets paid half a percent or something. He must contact his broker. Let me make the comment for other people who may have, have similar situations but haven't phoned me, you need to look at, understand, if you're drawing more, let's assume you've got a million rand in the living annuity and you're drawing 5%. And this last year, the fund has only grown by 3%. Your capital will have fallen by that 2%. If the fund grew by seven and you're only drawing four, then your fund has gone up. So you need to understand if you draw more than the fund performs, then you will eat into your capital. If you draw less, your capital will go up. So, Colin, yes, talk to your broker. Have a look at how it's done in the last year. And because we have no idea what 2021 holds for us. I think 2021 is going to be an, another difficult year for South Africans across the board. Uh, however, have a look. Get your broker. You're paying him for it. And if he's not doing the job, get yourself another broker who will now earn what the, other, the previous broker was earning. So he's happy to do the work because he's earning on it. Hope that helps you, Colin. Thanks a lot, Brian. Thanks, Kathy. All right. Thank thanks. Thank, thanks. Thanks for that, Colin. Colin, rather. Thanks. Uh, thanks for that call, um, Brian. I think maybe just one or two um, messages on the WhatsApp line. Vuyan um, Bloemfontein wants to know what is the difference between a unit trust and an exchange traded fund. Okay, unit trust in most instances is a managed portfolio of shares. In other words, the manager decides how much they're going to have of every single share. An exchange-traded fund is really an index. You're buying into funds, and you could be buying any funds anywhere in the world, but it's passive. No one is actually making the decision. In other words, I'll give you an example. If you buy in South Africa an exchange-traded fund linked to our top stocks, you will end up with about 15 to 20% in NASPAs. If a unit trust holds NASPAs, they would probably have 7 to 8%. So there's a difference between actually managing the portfolio and it being passive. Okay, fantastic. Brian, thank you so much for your contributions throughout um, the year. This is where we're going to wrap it up with you for this year. Certainly wish you a very safe and happy holiday. And we'll see each other again in January. Yes, and you didn't ask me what my New Year's resolution is. Oh, (laughs) you see, I'm not even there yet. I'm not even there yet. I wonder, um, what is your New Year's resolution, Uncle Brian? To meet you. (laughs) Ah. 
You're so sweet. I didn't realize you were such a charmer, hey? Thank um, you. Everyone in the studio, thanks for helping me. Thanks for being on. I wish all our listeners all the very best. Please stay safe. COVID is right. Please wear your mask. Stay sanitized and social distance. And I wish for everyone, let's hope we can have a... A, 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 a well-deserved break um, during December. Brian, Thanks. absolutely. Thanks Please be safe out there on the roads over this uh, festive season. And hopefully you and I will see better times in 2021 when I can have you uh, in studio again. Brian Hirsch there, um, wrapping up the finance segment for the year. So I'm watching a feed on the SABC online, uh, SABC TV rather, and I'm seeing a picture of Andile Longisa, who of course is walking out of jail today, a free man, well, not completely free, we're told that uh, there's still some conditions that he's going to have to adhere by, but in all likelihood, he'll have the comfort of sleeping in his own bed tonight, and yeah, so... Uh, well, it looks like that briefing is done. I wanted to take us there just for a bit before we continued with our program. So what we'll do then is that we'll take a focus on HIV AIDS. We'll be in conversation with the South African um, National AIDS Council.